Hi, my name is Francis McDonald and I'm CEO of Lyft Power and I'll be taking you through a presentation of the company and the projects that we have today. Just a note on forward-looking statements, I will be making forward-looking statements, so do your own due diligence. Lyft Power is a mineral exploration company and we are focused on the exploration and development of hard rock lithium deposits in Canada. And so when I say hard rock lithium deposits, there's three main sources of lithium in the world. So one is lithium brines, and this would be coming out of South America. There's big aquamarine ponds that you see where there is lithium brines settling and, and you get a lithium product out of that. There's lithium clay deposits, and those are mostly in Nevada right now. So Lithium Americas has a big lithium clay deposit that GM invested about $650 million into. And then there are hard rock lithium deposits, which is what we're focusing on. And these are basically like veins of rock that have a specific mineral called spodumene. And this mineral spodumene contains high grade lithium. And this is what we're after in lift. So we have three projects in the portfolio. The Yellowknife project is the main flagship project. And what this project is, is a portfolio of 13 spodumene pegmatites. And these are spodumene deposits. Uh, a pegmatite is just a specific type of vein that uh, cuts through the host rock. So we have 13 of these deposits that have average grades of 1.07 to 2.2% lithia. The incredible thing about this project is that the pegmatites or the lithium deposits have nearly 100% outcropping exposure. So you can see these things from space. And when, you, when they stick out of the ground like this, it's just really easy to see what the size potential is. Another great thing about the Yellowknife area is that there's excellent transport infrastructure. So there's a paved highway that runs through seven of the lithium deposits, and it's also relatively close to rail compared to other Canadian spodumene projects. What Lyft is doing right now is we've started a 45,000 meter diamond drilling program that started in June and that will be going until around the start of November. And recently, about uh, two weeks ago, we started reporting assays from that drill program and some of the highlights were 79 meters at 1.13% lithia and 39 meters at 1.43% lithia. The Cali project is also located in the Northwest Territories in Canada. It's on the Northwest Territories Yukon border. And what this project is, is a pegmatite dike swarm. And so when I say a dike swarm, it's a whole bunch of different veins that are coming up within a corridor that's about 120 meters wide. So within that corridor, there's probably about five to 10 different individual dikes or pegmatite veins. And we're not really sure exactly the size of this yet. What we see at surface, though, is a boulder field, and all of these boulders have high-grade spodumene at surface. And what we've been doing up there, we've been starting to per permit a drill program. We'll be doing some surface work starting in uh, about 10 days, so in about uh, August 17th, and that'll consist of mapping, sampling, soil sampling, and that will be used to target a drill program that will start next summer. In Quebec, we have a huge property. It's about 2,300 square kilometers of ground in the James Bay region of Quebec. James Bay is really one of the hottest places on the planet right now for lithium, and that's because of Patriot Battery Metals and their Corvette Discovery. And Lyft has the largest land position in the James Bay region right now. So in Quebec, we have a different strategy. In, in this part of Quebec, 
a lot of the land area is covered by glacial sediments laid down in the last ice age or swamps or lakes. And so it's covered by vegetation or, or something that hides the outcrop. And so what we're looking to do there is we are targeting lithium deposits that aren't necessarily sticking out of the ground and that they're covered by some kind of material. We've been out there doing some big geochemical exploration programs, and that's led us into 10 target areas. So we are following up on those this summer, and we will be drilling a couple targets there as well. In terms of the people involved, so I'm Francis McDonald, CEO and director. My background is in exploration geology, and I spent the earlier part of my career with Newmont Mining, which is the biggest gold mining company in the world. I was doing greenfield exploration or early stage exploration programs in the Canadian Arctic and then Africa. And in 2016, I co-founded a company called Kenorland Minerals. And Kenorland is a project generator company. And so what that means is that we were acquiring the mineral rights to areas, and then we would convince bigger companies to come in and spend their money doing the exploration. And then we would keep a minority percentage in the project or royalty. And so Kenorland acquired a huge portfolio of properties in North America, about 1.5 million hectares, and had done deals with people like Barrick, uh, Big Gold Miner, Newmont, Freeport McMoran, Antipagasta, Sumitomo out of Japan. And so after this year, Kenorland will have brought in about $100 million in Greenfields exploration funding. And what came out of that was a new gold deposit that was found in the James Bay region. Alex Langer is president and director, and Alex has a capital markets background. He was at Canaccord Genuity at the start of his career and then went over to the issuer side and was putting companies together. And recently he was with Millennial Lithium from the beginning up until the sale to Lithium Americas, which was about a $500 million transaction. Andy Marshall is CFO, and Andy has about 20 years of accounting experience working with public companies. April Hayward is Chief Sustainability Officer. April is an ecologist, and then she has been working as the Chief Sustainability Officer for Mountain Province Diamonds, which has an operating diamond mine in the Northwest Territories. And she was also involved in permitting two new open pits at the Akati Diamond Mine in Northwest Territories as well. Dave Smithson, SVP of Geology. Dave is an economic geologist. He was at Newmont at the same time as me, and his role was global structural geologist, which was running around to Newmont's different mines and looking for new ounces around their existing operations. And then he was also involved with a group of companies that was led by Ivan Bebek and Sean Wallace uh, that was looking, doing big exploration programs in North and South America. Carl Verley is vice president of exploration. Carl is, was one of the founders of Mountain Province Diamonds that discovered the Gachokwe Diamond Mine in the Northwest Territories. And he was also involved in the Bacanora Lithium Project in Mexico. And then as advisors, Martin Steinbild. So Martin is a chemical engineer. He spent uh, the majority of his career with Albemarle, who's the largest lithium mining company. And he's advising us on the long-term strategic avenues we might have as a lithium development company. And then Don Haynes. Don is an industrial minerals specialist. He wrote the 43101 guidelines on reporting lithium brine resources, and he's also consulted or advised on many of the big spodumene projects in the world. 
looking at a snapshot of the financials of the company. So as of June 31st, 2023, we had 39.2 million shares outstanding, 730,000 options and no warrants outstanding. So fully diluted, just under 40 million shares. We've been trading from about 875 to about 950. So the market cap is between 325 and 375 million. And as of July 27th, we had just under $27 million in cash. So we have a war chest. We've been spending a lot of money and we started this year with about 45 million. So we've deployed quite a bit of capital and that is all going into the ground uh, as exploration this year. In terms of the ownership structure, so founders of the company have about 52%. This is people that have funded a lot of the early uh, financing rounds. 13% is institutional, 27% retail, and about 5% is management. So top 10 shareholders in the company have about 65% of the stock. So it's pretty tightly held at this point. So getting into the projects, zooming into the Yellowknife area, Yellowknife is the capital city of the Northwest Territories in Canada. It is located on the north side of Great Slave Lake. There's an airport in the city. It's got a population of about 20,000 people. It takes about two hours to fly there from Vancouver or Calgary. So Yellowknife is on the map right here. And each one of these green dots on the map, this is one of the lithium deposits that's within the Yellowknife project portfolio. So going out to the east of Yellowknife, you can see on this map, there's a line. This is a road. And you can see it goes through seven of these pegmatites or lithium deposits. On the right-hand side here, this is a picture of that road. It's called the Ingram Trail, and it's a two-lane paved highway that connects Yellowknife that goes onwards up to the diamond mines of Akadi and Dyavik. So this is government-maintained. It's, it's plowed by the government during the winter, and there's traffic on it year-round. Going to the west of Yellowknife is Highway Number 3, and this is another government-maintained highway that takes you down to the town of Hay River on the south side of Great Slave Lake down here. Hay River is important because that's where the railroad starts. And so this would be how we would be exporting a product out of the Yellowknife area, would be getting it to rail at Hay River. The other important part to the logistics story here is Great Slave Lake itself. This is a huge lake and it's about 200 kilometers from Yellowknife to Hay River. It's ice-free for four to five months out of the year. And during those months, we can be barging spodumene concentrate across from Yellowknife to Hay River. And so this is going to greatly reduce transportation costs. When you look at the Yellowknife area compared to other Canadian spodumene deposits or districts, this is really one of the best located for transport. And that is going to drastically reduce your shipping costs, which is a big part of the, the operating costs. In terms of ESG, we take this very seriously. And to show that we have hired a chief sustainability officer. A big part of what we were doing in the company in the spring was building relationships with the local indigenous communities. And so we have signed a definitive exploration agreement with one of the key First Nations in the area. And as part of that, we have promised employment opportunities and we've been following through on that. Right now, we are hiring about 25% local or northern indigenous people on the project. And we have also initiated environmental 
baseline work. So that's environmental and socioeconomic data collection um, in this year. Looking at the lithium deposits or the pegmatites, these things stick out of the ground, like I was saying, and you can see them from space. So on the left-hand map, this is satellite imagery. All of those white veins that you see crossing the landscape, those are the lithium deposits. And so when they stick out of the ground like this, it's just really easy to see how big things could be. So the phi main pegmatite is this one in the center. It's about two kilometers long. It's about 15 meters wide on average. And we are going to drill these down to 250 or 300 meters depth. So you can start doing some volume calculations, just multiplying those dimensions together. And then you can convert that to tons by multiplying by a density. So just by simple back of the envelope math, you can start to come out with a tonnage of what you think could potentially be there. And then also, when you have outcrop like this, it's really easy to do a lot of work on surface. And that's what's been done in the past. These pegmatites have been known about since the 1940s. And there was a lot of systematic work that was done from the 50s up until the 80s. On the right-hand side, this is a view from a helicopter. You can see a diamond drill rig here. And the drill targeting strategy is very simple. We are just drilling across these big white outcrops and drilling underneath them. In the past, like I was saying, there's a lot of historical work that was completed. And this is looking at some of that historical work. So on the left-hand side, this is channel sampling. And when I say channel sampling, that's basically there. People went in with dynamite and blew up the outcrops and were taking a systematic sample across these outcrops to get an idea of how much lithium was there. So the, the grades of uh, lithium that were reported are on the left-hand side. Purple is above 1.5%, which is really high grade. So you can see there's a lot of high-grade lithium that's been reported in the past, and this was done in the 1970s. On the middle pane here, this is looking at spodumene percentage mapping. And so that's what all of the colored circles are. And so when I say spodumene percentage mapping, that's they were taking a meter by meter section of the outcrop, cleaning it off, and then visually estimating how much spodumene was in the outcrop. And again, spodumene is a lithium bearing mineral. So this is another way to estimate grade in these type of systems. And so you can see the spodumene percentages 20% or the purple ones are greater than 1.4% lithium. And then also on this map, there are white squares. So these were bulk samples that were completed in the 1980s. And this was for metallurgy, but they got a grade out of each one of these samples. And you can see the grades that they were reported were typically between 1.4 or 1.6%. This map is looking at all of the pegmatites in the Yellowknife portfolio. This is all at the same scale, and so you can get a sense of how big this portfolio actually is. So we were looking at the Phi area. Phi main is about 1.8 kilometers long, averaging 15 meters wide, and on the channel samples averaged about a percent Li2O or lithia. Phi southwest, 900 meters long, 20 meters wide on average, 1.49%. The Boya dike swarm, so that's all of these thin pegmatite dikes that you see here. So there was no historic work completed on these, but we've walked parts of these, and there's 20% spodumene, which would be around 1.4% lithia. 
And so this is a great target because what we're seeing in this area is that when you have a dike swarm like this or multiple dikes that are coming up together, a lot of the time they coalesce at depth into a big dike. So it's a great target and we think we can add quite a bit of tonnage there. Shorty, so this is about 500 meters long, averaging 20 meters wide, coming in over a percent Li2O. And then Kai, 1.5 kilometers long, about 12 meters wide and 1.4%. So all of those ones that I just mentioned, these are in cluster number one up here on the inset map. And those are about, uh, they're within 10 kilometers of that paved highway. Cluster number two is going back towards Yellowknife. So big east and big west, these are dikes forms. And so we've got multiple dikes that are coming up within 150 meter wide corridor. And there's on average about 20 meters of dike material within that corridor. And both of these are about a kilometer long. Grades of 1.45 and 1.53% lithia. And then night, 900 meters long, about seven meters wide and 1.46%. So all of those dikes that I've talked through so far, these are within 60 kilometers of the city of Yellowknife and they are clustered along that, that paved highway called the Ingram Trail. Going out to the east, so we have another cluster Cluster three, this is what we're calling the further afield group. And within that cluster, the echo uh, target is probably one of the most geologically interesting. There's a number of different dikes within this area. You can picture that you could put a circular pit around this part of the dike swarm. So it makes it quite attractive from an engineering perspective. And the grades out there are also very attractive at 1.59% lithia. And then we have five other ones in the portfolio. They're mostly small or what's been reported. These could be a flagship project for, for other lithium companies at this point, um, but these are just five other, pro other pegmatites in the portfolio that we'll get to at some point. So within this whole portfolio of lithium deposits, there's only 23 diamond drill holes so far, and that's from the 1950s up until the 1970s, which is about 3,400 meters of drilling. It's basically nothing for something of this size, but what the drilling is showing is that the pigmentites are similar widths and grades at depth. This is a map showing the drill plan for this summer, which is planned to be about 45,000 meters of drilling. That's going to test eight different pigmentites. As of August 1st, we've drilled about 13,000 meters. I think as of today, we're over 15,000. Um, this presentation is a little bit old, a uh, week old. So um, currently we're on hole 100 and we are on track to finish this program under budget and by the end of October of 2023. About two weeks ago, we started reporting assays from the Phi Southwest pegmatite and this was the first five holes. So running through those, hole number one was 35 meters at 1.3%, including 27 meters at 1.58. Hole two was 34 meters at 0.34. Hole three, 39 meters at 1.43, including 35 meters at 1.57. Hole four, 33 at 1.39, including 29 at 1.55. And hole five was 79 meters at 1.13% lithia, including 56 at 1.42%. So the takeaway from this slide is that we're hitting similar grades and similar widths of pegmatite to what we see on surface. And that's really encouraging because if we can keep bringing that downwards to depth, 
there's going to be quite a bit of tons here, but also the grade is quite attractive. Going back to the history of this project, this is important to look at because people will think, how did you find this project at this point? And there is a reason that this has been off the radar. So like I was saying before, these deposits were found in the 1940s, and it's pretty easy to see why as you just fly an airplane over these, and that's the discovery. In the 1950s, there was quite a bit of exploration in the area looking for lithium, and that's because there was a run in lithium prices in the 1950s because the U.S. government was looking for lithium to build hydrogen bombs. So there was, I think, three or four different companies up here exploring for lithium. On some of the old geology maps, they actually write down their resource estimates of what they think was there, and it's pretty much similar to what we think is there as well. In the early 1970s, the, early, the original vendor of the project, who I'll call the old guy, he got interested in lithium because his brother was a nuclear fusion researcher. And his brother said, just go find lithium. We, we need it for nuclear fusion in the future, so we're going to need a lot of it. So the old guy went out, and he was all over the place. He was in Australia, South America, down in the Carolinas in the U.S., and then he eventually settled on Yellowknife as what he thought was one of the best hard rock lithium opportunities out there. He staked all of the claims of in the Yellowknife area of all of these uh, pegmatites that we have and did a deal with Canadian Superior Exploration in 1975. Canadian Superior was the mineral exploration arm of Superior Oil, which was a big U.S. oil company. And so they were up there doing a lot of the detailed spodumene percentage mapping, channel sampling, and drilling in the 1970s. And then in 1980, Superior Oil decided to exit the minerals business, and this was a sign of the times. A lot of the big oil companies were in mineral exploration in the 70s, and then they all really got out of it in the 80s. 1983, Superior Oil was acquired by Mobil, which then got absorbed into Exxon Mobil. And so Mobil ended up with this lithium project in the 80s. They had no interest in lithium at the time, and so it reverted back to the old guy. In 1985, he did a deal with a guy called Ross Beattie, who's a, a Canadian mining entrepreneur. And his first company, Equinox Resources, was up in the Yellowknife area looking for hard rock lithium deposits in the 80s. They were there in 1987 taking bulk samples of the Kai and Phi dikes, and that was for metallurgy. That was positive, and they recommended a full feasibility study at the time. During those years, Equinox was all over the place in North America looking for a number of different deposit types, and they ended up finding the Rosebud Gold Deposit, and that led Hecla to acquire Equinox in 1993. And so Hecla is a U.S.-based gold and silver producer. They ended up with this lithium project, and they, again, had no interest in lithium in the early 90s, and so it went back to the old guy again in 1994. And so since 1994, the Yellowknife portfolio of, of lithium deposits has sat in a private company, and there's been no significant exploration that's been completed. So the old guy, he was a geologist in his early years, and then at some point he took a different turn. He ended up having a chain of restaurants, and he was building that out in the 90s. He also had commercial real estate in downtown Vancouver. And so eventually in the 2000s and early 2010s, he, he sold off the chain of restaurants, sold off the commercial real estate. So he was never really in need of money. And these lithium deposits were just a old pet project from his past that he was hanging on to. 
So what he said was that he was waiting for the right time and also the right people to come along. And so we were able to convince him that we were the right people. And then this is definitely the right time for lithium. And now Lyft has acquired the Yellowknife project uh, 100%. Just touching on some of the historic work. So the 1987 metallurgical study was positive. This was Equinox Resources. They were able to produce a spodumene concentrate between 5 and 6% lithia with an overall recovery of 80%. This was done by gravity and flotation and there was a low iron content in the spodumene concentrate of 0.7%. That's important because the iron content affects the, um, the downstream lithium chemicals. So we're looking for a low iron content in the spodumene concentrate. And Equinox was able to produce a lithium carbonate from a standard roast and acid leach process. And just touching on Canadian Superior exploration a bit. So they were up here in the 70s looking for lithium. This again was the mineral exploration arm of Superior Oil, big US oil company. They published this paper in a journal called Energy in 1978. And this was their summary of the Yellowknife Pegmatite province. They were calling this one of the largest lithium resources in the Western world at the time. And they also published their resource potential estimate. And so this is not any NI43101 compliant. This is really based on sparse data. But what they thought the potential of the district was, was 49 million tons at a grade of 1.4% lithia down to a depth of 150 meters vertical. So Lyft is planning to drill these down to 300 meters depth, and that's because some of the pits on these lithium pegmatites are going down to 200 or 250 meters. So we want to pull a resource down below any conceivable pit. And so when we talk about the uh, potential of the district, there's a few ways we've been looking at it. And the first is, is Canadian Superior Exploration. They thought there was 49 million tons down to 150 meters vertical. This would be, if you double that, which is what we're planning to drill it to in the vertical dimension, that comes out to be about 98 million tons at 1.4%. Method two, so this is just looking at the surface area of the map pegmatites. Uh, to get a tonnage, you would multiply the surface area by a depth, so 300 meters, and then you multiply by a density or a specific gravity of 2.7, and that takes you to about 125 million tons. And then we've built 3D models of all of the dikes based on the surface expressions, and when we bring those down to 300 meters, we come out with about 95 million tons. So that's kind of the range we're looking at. Um, this is looking at hard rock lithium deposits globally. And the bar chart on the bottom is contained lithium. I've put this, this uh, potential estimate that we are going for. This is our target. And if we are successful at coming out with that target of about 95 million tons at 1.33, that would put this in the top 10 hard rock lithium deposits globally. And probably one of the top three in North America based on current resource estimates. Just to put this in perspective again, there is a company called Sigma Lithium in Brazil, and they have a lithium project that they have brought into production recently. So the Yellowknife area is a great comparison to Sigma Lithium because these are both pegmatite districts. 
and they have multiple pegmatite dikes or veins that are feeding into a global resource. Everything on the map here in green is the surface expressions of the sigma lithium pegmatites. That comes out to be about 85,000 square meters of surface area. And then looking at Yellowknife, there's about 158,000 square meters of surface area of pegmatite dikes. At sigma lithium, there's about 86 million tons in the global resource estimate. And so when we look at the amount of green versus the amount of yellow on the screen, I think it's easy to see there's more yellow. And it's just another visual way to qualify that target of about 100 million tons that we have for the Yellowknife district. In terms of a timeline, so we have been quite active in the last months. We signed an exploration agreement with the Yellowknives Dene First Nation. We have built a 49-person camp that was completed in July. We kicked off the diamond drill program in June. And like I was saying, we're about 15,000 meters of the way through that drill program that will end around October. We've started environmental baseline studies, and that was with permitting that started in June, and now we've just started the actual data collection in the last week. We will be starting to do bulk sampling for metallurgy this month in August, so that's going to kick off in about a week. And that's going to take us until um, around the end of September. So end of October, the Diamond Drill program stops. We're going to get all the assays back and then see what else we need to do. We'll kick off the winter drill program in January and that will take us through till the end of March. And then once we have all of that uh, drill core complete and we have all of those assay results back, that will feed into an uh, maiden inferred resource estimate that we're hoping to put out by midway through next year. And at the same time, we'll be working through a PEA as well and we're hoping to have that out within about six months of the resource estimate. Going over to Quebec, so we have three big claim packages in Quebec, and this is about 2,300 square kilometers of, of land. So some lithium deposits that are on the map. So the Wabuchi pegmatite is right here. This is owned by Namaska Lithium that has been acquired by Livent and Alchem. And this is one of the largest spodumene resources in Canada. And you can see the claim packages that we have. This is the black outline. We're pretty much encircling the Wabuchi deposit. So this is obviously a good land position to have because when you have big deposits around, there's usually more of them. And we're out there looking for, for other ones that might be within that cluster. The Rose deposit, which is critical elements, is up here. And then James Bay is another one that's owned by the Alchem Livent uh, merged company is up here. So. Just to recap, what we're doing in Quebec is we're looking for lithium deposits that aren't necessarily outcropping or sticking out of the ground, and they are covered by some kind of glacial sediments or swamp or some kind of material vegetation that, that we can't see the actual outcrop. What we've been doing to narrow this, this property down is we've been taking till samples, or this, these are really soil samples. And so each one of these dots on the map, this is a soil sample. This is a really huge area. It's about 100 kilometers from northeast to southwest. And so what we have come up with is about seven anomalous areas. And we're following up on those this year. So the colors on the map, that's representing the amount of lithium in the soil. 
And so if we're seeing small amounts of lithium that's clustering in a certain area, that could be indicating that there's a buried lithium deposit at depth. We will be drilling two target areas, so anomalies A and B. And we have finished drilling at Anomaly B. We got shut down by the forest fires in uh, Quebec, like everybody else. And we'll be starting to drill at Anomaly A, I think, in about two weeks. Looking at the Pontax area, so this is a, another parallel geologic trend. And we've gone out and done the same strategy. We've covered the whole property with till geochemistry or soil geochemistry. And what we found is a huge lithium anomaly in the, in the center of the Pontax property. So it's about eight kilometers by seven kilometers. This is the first exploration program we've done in the area. So it's really just to get our bearings and understand where we should be focusing. And so we've been putting a lot of effort into coming up with diamond drill targets within that Pontax lithium anomaly this summer. Going to Cali. So this is the third project in the portfolio. Cali is located on the the Northwest Territories Yukon border up here. And on this map, the white line, this is a road. This takes you down to Fort Nelson and the yellow hatched line, these are rail lines or railroads. So Cali is located about 50 kilometers to the north of the Cantung mine, which is a, a past producing tungsten mine. And it's also located within about six kilometers of the Howard's Pass access road. This area is about 850 kilometers from rail, which is quite a bit closer than some of the areas that are, are um, being developed up in the James Bay region in Quebec. Canadian Superior Exploration, so this was Superior Oil again. This is another property that they had in, 19, in the 1970s. And so the colors that you see here on, on this map, this is the geology map that they produced in 1977. And what they were talking about was a 60 meter wide spodumene pegmatite dike swarm that was outcropping over 500 meters of strike or 500 meters of length in this hill slope. We went out there in June and what we were seeing on the ground was just a huge boulder field of spodumene pegmatites and it was occurring over this 150 meter wide corridor. So we're not sure exactly how wide these lithium deposits are in outcrop. We're going to need to drill to understand that. But what we're seeing so far is very promising that there is just a huge amount of spodumene that is on surface. So when you put everything together, there's this area that's covered by soil on the top of the hill. What's been reported is 500 meters of strike here. So this Pegmatite deposit or number of pegmatite deposits, they could be up to um, greater than a kilometer in length. And we're seeing again, pegmatite material across a 150 meter wide corridor. So this is really promising. And just looking at some of those uh, field stops that we made in June. So on the Northeast side, this is a boulder that was cracked open. These pink crystals, these are spodumene crystals and about five centimeter long crystals here. In the center of the dike swarm, so this area, is, it's got a big massive band of pink spodumene in this rock. And then on the north, or sorry, the southwest side of the corridor, it's about 50% pink spodumene in that rock when it was cracked open. So there is a lot of spodumene here. I think that we're gonna go out there next summer and put a big drill program into this and figure out exactly how much spodumene is in the bedrock.
So as a wrap up, as highlights, we believe this is one of the most exciting exploration portfolios for hard rock lithium on the planet. I think it's easy to see that there's world-class potential here, especially at the Yellowknife Lithium Project. We're well-financed, we have a tight share structure, we're gonna be drilling up to three projects in 2023, and then we have a pipeline of targets that are gonna be advanced in tandem in Quebec. So we're hoping to have some more drill targets for 2024. And that is the lift power story. Thanks for watching.